This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Put my name up in the line. The Georgia Bulldogs went out and made a statement in front of the country, demolishing TCU for a national championship and raising the question, is Georgia... The new Alabama, it's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. All you have to do is tell them to play ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we are sitting in Los Angeles, California, where last night we were doing digital pregame work for the national championship game. And Harry, Harry, I rarely say this, bro. I rarely do this. Toot, toot. Because when they got to our section of the, the show, they got to my stage, and we were making game predictions. Everybody else was making their game predictions. We were asked which quarterback was going to be bigger in the fourth quarter. My answer? My answer was Max Duggan, and they said, why? And I said, because Stetson Bennett's not even going to be in the game in the fourth quarter. <laughs> they asked for a final prediction. I said, this thing is going to be a blowout. I got it right, brother. Woo! Yes, you did. And what we witnessed yesterday was a massacre. 65-7. to <laughs> It's something I did not predict. Now, I thought Georgia was going to win this football game, just not in the manner that they won it in. But it's also a testament that Georgia and their football team, right, they don't rebuild. They reload year in and year out. And just seeing a lot of those guys out there on the football field who didn't get a chance to make plays in the national championship last year come in this year in 2022-23 national championship game and ball out and make plays. It was just a thing of beauty to see, but it also lets you know that this Georgia team, they aren't going anywhere anytime soon. So here's my mindset on it, because the great question everybody's asking today, is Georgia the new Alabama? Uh-oh. I, I'm not – what if it's more nuanced than that? What if maybe Georgia and Alabama are standing shoulder to shoulder? What if instead of it being have they replaced Alabama, it's now they are with Alabama, right? Like, because I think it's fair to acknowledge that Georgia, right now, two straight national championships, probably going to be a favorite for a third. They are on a run that is absolutely wild. They can be on that run without me having to, to diminish Alabama, no? No, I think that's a great way to put it. They're standing shoulder to shoulder with the Alabama Crimson Tide. And it's crazy because how quickly we forget so many things that the Alabama football team has accomplished under the helm of Nick Saban. Right, A national championship in 2009, 2011, 2012, keep going, Harry, 2015, keep going, 2017, 2020, right? We're not recently removed from Alabama winning a national championship. And I will date everyone back to last year, right, in that national championship game. Hypothetically, and I understand if it was the fifth, we'd all be drunk right now. Some of us probably are because they had a long night out here at SoFi and partied all night because the Georgia Bulldogs won. But that's a story for another day. Some, some people might be drunk right now. But I'm not. If it was a fifth, you telling me if Jamison Williams and John Messi the third don't get hurt last year for Alabama, they're not winning the national championship? That so you can go a lot of angles with this. Now I will say this because I don't want to discredit Kirby Smart and what he's been able to do, winning two national championships back to back. The first time that's been done since you know Kirby Smart was at Alabama and Nick Saban, that same football team on the opposite side that we're talking about. Also. When you look at Kirby Smart and the way this team is constructed and you look at their schedule next year, and I had the opportunity, Fitz, and I'm going to keep bringing this up, to do the early high school signing, uh, signing day show. And let's remember, Alabama was the number one team in recruiting. Mm. They had seven five-stars, 24 stars. The number two team in recruiting was Georgia 
with two five stars and 24 stars. So still in the thick of things and still at the top of the hem is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Now, this year, they didn't make the college football playoffs, and rightfully so, it was their fault. I don't want to hear this story about TCU shouldn't have been there. No, TCU should have been there. They earned the right to be there. It's not their fault that Michigan made the mistakes that they made in the semifinals game. It's not TCU's fault that Alabama didn't put their opponents away this season like they were supposed to. It's, that's not TCU's fault. But at the end of the day, when you look at the two programs at Alabama and Georgia, I do believe they're standing shoulder and shoulder, but I think the Alabama program, uh, they're standing on their tippy toes with a slight edge over the Georgia program, but we also got to bring this up too. Kirby Smart is 2-1 in national championship games. He should have had one 2017 national championship game. Well, I mean, but like you said, you're right. You're right. But as we say in the show all the time, if my aunt had grapefruit, she'd be my uncle, right? But Uh there's a there's a moment that always goes back to Uncle (laughs) Junebug. Uncle Junebug. I can't speak to Uncle Junebug's grapefruit. (laughs) All right, now that we've gotten weird early in the show, but there is this moment where you're right, and I think maybe we're having the wrong conversation because I also want to be clear, I'm not. Uh, we in college football say is Alabama the new is Georgia the new Alabama. I think the real conversation is Kirby Smart the new Nick Saban. Because like if Nick Saban walks out of Alabama tomorrow, we have no idea who Alabama is. And for Georgia, for years it was they can't win these games. They find a way to lose these games. I mean, for anyone that hasn't heard it, we will not play it on radio because it is not uh, Mickey Mouse friendly. If you listen to Kirby Smart and his speech that got leaked last night before the game, getting the guys fired up in the mm. locker room, like he's going to have to apologize to some mamas this summer when he's in there recruiting me. Like, sorry, I, lo- I lost a little bit of my like a, a, a lot of language on that. But I listened to my guy get fired up. And I just kept thinking, we make this about programs when it's really about coaches. And that being said, David Pollock, ESPN College Football Analyst, during the halftime show was sitting next to Nick Saban when he said this about the Bulldogs. Obviously, you've seen in the past couple seasons now, really, they've taken hold of college football. They did an unbelievable job. Uh, this is a young football team. This isn't an old football team with a bunch of guys losing. Now, listen, the NFL can take its chunk out of any team. Now, Obviously, that got a look from Saban. Like, how would you describe that look? Like, if you're sitting at Thanksgiving, it feels like the look where somebody like somebody brought up a topic you're not supposed to bring up at Thanksgiving. Man, I hope I don't get fired for this. That look was like, you son of a, how dare you? Mm, oh, yeah. The, 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 Nick Saban literally looked at David Pollock. I, like, I don't take too kind for disrespect. And you just opened up a can of whoop ass. And I feel like for the next year, that's just going to be played on loop in the practice facility for Alabama. Now, Pollock, uh, in fairness, was on Get Up this morning and explained a little bit of what was happening there. First of all, I didn't even think about who I was sitting next to when I said that. It had nothing to do with having Nick next to me. But we're at halftime, and y'all know how this works. We're, we got we got to talk about something. And it dang sure wasn't the game. The game was over. Everybody knew that in the stadium. Everybody knew that at home. So it was like, man, look at what Georgia's done and the dominance. And then, you know, I, I had nothing to do with taking a shot at Nick. And I, I, Nick didn't say a word, and he wasn't upset in the slightest bit. So it was not Dang, a baby. shot at Nick saying, Say it with your chest, Pollock. Say it with your chest. Don't be scared. Say it with your chest, Pollock. I mean, Pollock is a big boy. Man, stand on, stand on what you said, though. But then, Listen, yeah, then, I, understand what, I understand what he's saying. You know, Pollock, and we know that DP's a great dude. We work with him. I count down to college game day. I'm around him all the time. Paulette went to the University of Georgia. You said, you said what you said. Stand on it. 
Don't be a scared. Stand and on it. And it's not like you said something controversial. You didn't yeah. come in there and say that like USC is the next Alabama exactly. throwing shade directly at Keyshawn. You're talking about a team that just won back-to-back national championships and just had a championship game that, that they lost uh, from a throw to Tua to Devontae Smith on the last play of the game. So it's not like you're talking about any other program. Stand on it. If you feel that way, stand on it. I'm going to toot my horn, horn one more time uh, because there was one other thing that I predicted. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go all the way back to August. Uh-oh. And the question I asked on every show all the way back in August is, Uh-oh. why are we not giving Georgia the same benefit of the doubt that we give Alabama for their ability to restock from the cupboard every year? I saw that recruiting class. I predicted Georgia would go undefeated, win the SEC, and back-to-back national championships. Like I think what we've seen now is, to, to the point that, that Pollock's making there, it's also about – the ability to know that the NFL is going to take your players, but you got a bunch of them coming. You were talking about the recruiting numbers earlier, but even last night, I'm watching Jalen Carter smiling because it was a year ago right now we were having the same conversations about Jordan Davis that we're now having about Jalen Carter, who's going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft, and then they're going to bring in the wait, next wait, Jalen wait Carter. Wait a minute, wait a minute. They have two guys that they just brought in that's the size of, of Jordan Davis and, and Jalen Carter. Literally, they just brought them in. They're gonna they're gonna be there next year. I, Kirby Smart. When I looked at this recruiting class that he's bringing in, and it's funny because you know Kirby played in the secondary in Georgia. If a lot of the listeners didn't know, he played at the University of Georgia at the safety position in the same group with Champ Bailey. So him and Champ Bailey have a phenomenal relationship. So two things that Kirby Smart loves from a defensive perspective: guys that can rush the passer. Oh, he got a lot of those guys coming in in 2023, and guys that can play in the secondary. Oh, he has a lot of those coming in 2023 as well. They just had a, another top safety commit to the University of Georgia recently. It, it is incredible what they've been able to build. And now that they've built the most important part of all of this that I keep saying, as cheesy as it sounds, confidence. Like that, There was a swagger to Georgia when they walked on the field last night. There's a swagger that comes from knowing they got rid of the you can't beat Bama. They got rid of the you can't win the big game. Now they've gotten rid of any doubts that anybody has. They have not only tremendous talent, not only tremendous coaching, they have tremendous swagger. And when you put all those things together – along with the sales pitch of knowing that now they have the chance to do what Alabama's never done, back to back to back. No one on the corner has swagger like us, swagger like us, swagger like us. Yeah, a little T.I., y'all. Look at no, that. from Atlanta. Look I'm from Georgia. Uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's, uh, it's for the culture. Yeah, it, it's for, the for the culture, culture, man. Always for the culture. You guys can be a part of the culture of Fitz and Harry Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans Deserve. TCU's Cinderella story came up one win short. So the question is, how close will the NFL Cinderella get to the championship? We'll talk to somebody that knows next. It's Harry and Fitz. More Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Shotgun for Dobbs. He drops. It's a blitz. An all-out blitz. They hit him as he likes to go. The ball comes out. The ball comes out and it's picked up. The Jags are running it back. The Jags are running it back. The Jags are going to run it into the end zone. Josh Allen scores a touchdown. Josh Allen is running back for a touchdown for Jacksonville. Turned out to be the game winner. You hear that there from 1010XL92.5 FM. It's Fitz and Harry. 
on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Jason Fitz, sitting live in Los Angeles, just a couple of feet away from 10-year NFL vet Harry Douglas, hanging out, uh, as we always are, giving a little respect to that, that career. And uh, we always love, like, I always love having former players come on uh, because you know it's going to be a blast. Uh, I love having current players come on. Harry's just in here letting everybody know. He's letting everybody It's one of those days. Harry's letting everybody know. Rayshon Jenkins let everybody know in that game the greatness there. Jag Safety joining us. We talked a lot about this game, Rayshon, yesterday. Congrats on a huge win. Take me through that last play. You just heard the play call on it. The blitz, you guys forced the fumble. Josh Allen makes the recovery. What were you guys seeing there? Man, uh, first off, thanks for having me, Jason. Um, on that play, I, I was blitzing. I came off the edge. I knew I had to sack. Um, but, you know, given the situation that we were in, it, uh, we needed more than the sack in that situation. Um, I, I, I got around the edge of the tackle, and I saw his arm go up. I said, I got to reach for this ball. Got to knock this ball out. And uh, that's, that's what I was able to do to get my team, you know, to go ahead touchdown. Erase, hey, man, I want you to talk to the listeners about – you know, highs and lows in a football game. There are ebbs and flows. But how are you supposed to still, you know, keep your composure? Early in that game, you know, Derrick Henry got you with a little stiff arm. But you got the last laugh and making the game winning play and coming off that edge and blitzing and sacking the quarterback and, you know, Josh Allen taking it in for a touchdown. But I just want you to touch on how certain things may transpire in a football game and especially being in the defensive backfield, how you just got to have a short memory and continue to, you know, play, play your best at all times. Yeah, absolutely, man. We play amongst the greatest uh, athletes in the world. And, uh, of course, things are going to happen. They're going to make their plays. Uh, we're going to make our plays. Um, but just like you said, there's going to be highs and lows of a football game. And every football game I've ever been in, there's been highs and lows. But the teams that are able to manage those highs and lows and, and able to, you know, kind of kind of take it all in and settle down a bit when things maybe aren't going their way, that those are teams that, in my opinion, can really thrive, uh, especially in situations where where you know they need to come out on top. You know, Rayshon, it's interesting because yesterday in talking about y'all's win, we talked a lot about Urban Meyer and the organization's willingness after one year to say, look, we don't have the guy. You've lived through this process enough in the league, and now you've seen D Doug Peterson with you guys this year. What's been the biggest difference that Doug Peterson has made within the organization? Uh, his leadership, uh, it comes in, and you can really feel it in the entire organization, the professionalism throughout the entire organization, uh, just and, and just players just being able to, to really be able to learn from a lot of these former players uh, that are now our coaches, you know, these guys who, who have suited up and, and, and been uh, in these situations and, and on front line like we have. So, uh, shouts out to Dougie P for, for coming in and uh, being able to, to, to help us turn around, um, you know, what was not looking so good down here the past maybe four to five years. See, that's why I know it's different because, see, you called him Dougie P. See, when a head coach get a nickname like Dougie P. Fitz, that means no players rock with him like that. You, Dougie, you're, you're, no, 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 because no, you're not just walking around every day calling your head coach Dougie P unless you rock with him like that. Right or wrong, Rayshon, right or wrong. <laughs> nah, nah, you're 100% right. You hit that on the head. Yeah. But, man, you had, you had a huge pick six against Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. How much did that game change the confidence level and the trajectory of y'all's season? Man, that game changed it tremendously. But I'll tell you, even before that game, I think the game that really 
kind of changed our mindset was that Detroit game. We're coming off of a uh, you know a, 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 a good win the week before, and then we come we, we come in uh, we go down well we go up to Detroit and we you know we didn't look too good. We got blew out, and, and, and that's when it really hit us. Hey, we have to come out here every single Sunday to prove ourselves and really uh, to really get the respect that 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 we know we can earn. What did it mean to beat the Titans? Because, like, obviously Harry and I both know. I know. I'm sitting right down from the – I'm I'm like, Harry can actually hit me right now. So i got to be careful with this conversation. We're close. But, Rayshon, like, y'all beat what is a huge rival to get into the playoffs. Like, what's that mean for the organization? Man, it's huge. Uh, uh, That goes to show you, man, this division, you know, it has some dogs in it. It has some dogs in it. And and now you you really have to – Respect everybody in this in this division. Um, um, anybody could could win with it's the new you know new sheriff in town. You know it just is what it is. Now you're going to be facing the Jackson. I mean, excuse me, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I almost said San Diego. I'm I living know. in my past. Put huh? a dollar in the jar. <laughs> now, now, is there anything you guys can actually take away from the first matchup that y'all played against them? Oh yeah, it's going to be a lot of the um, just the similar stuff. I know the first matchup, Keenan Allen didn't play, so I know that'll be a uh, huge part of their game plan. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, they got some tackles out right now that uh, that that weren't. Well, they got some tackles up right now that weren't up. You know, uh, when we previously played them early in the season. So uh, just a few new faces, but the overall game plan, uh, as far as them, I mean it. it you know, everyone is doing – you're not going to trick anyone at this time of the season. You put everything you put on film up to this far. So it's just go out, do our stuff, and then they do their stuff. All right, Rayshon, here's the real question America needs to know. Trevor Lawrence's hair, like, is it always perfect? Because it feels like every time he takes off a helmet, it still looks right. And I don't know how you do that with long hair. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know, man. Yeah, it, it looks pretty perfect to me, man. I'll probably go get some hair tips from a man. Now, I like my hair, too. <laughs> but, look, but look, can you can you tell Trevor man when he take his helmet off, he can't be like wiggling and shaking. His no, you wiggling. Like, you got that. Like you auntie them, like auntie them be doing. Like he can't be doing that now. <laughs> nah, I get you. I get you. Nah, but he a dog. He backing it up. So he could he could do, do a little uh, as long as you know what I'm saying. Slinging the ball through his head, he can slang his head a little bit. Wait, wait, wait. So now I got to get the real from from both of you on this. So you're telling me that if I had that hair, but I couldn't back it up with the play. I'd definitely be made fun of in the locker room, right? Right? Like, Rayshon, oh, yeah. like, there's no no way I'm surviving if I can't play with that hair. Nah, no, no way. You probably got to cut it. You probably got to cut it. <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you, you, can't, you can't be out there just flooring and not, you know, not making plays. Man, you've been balling out this year. I love to watch you play, man. I wish you nothing but success moving forward. Tell your young QB, Trevor Lawrence, I love his growth that he's made from uh, year one to year two. Looking forward to big things from you guys in the playoffs, bro. Yes, sir. Appreciate you here, Jason. Thanks, Rayshon. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins, uh, Jag Safety. Just hearing the joy, this is the thing that hit me, because you mentioned Dougie P, the nickname. When you ask him about the culture change, you could just hear yes. like that, that lift. Man, that's all. Like you, When you see a team that is, for whatever reason, has gotten into a toxic environment, the hardest thing is to pull it out of it. The fact that Doug Peterson has done that in one year, Man, that's bigger than all the X's and O's. Like Sam Cooke. Chains gonna come. Sing it for me. Sing it for me. That's it. Okay, that's all you got. All right. Uh, The Jags went from the number one pick to a division title. Will the Bears make a similar leap with a young quarterback? Or 
Could they completely start over? We have audio from the Bears. You have got to hear about the NFL draft. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I would trade Justin Fields for a one and a three to at least a dozen teams. Seattle, New Orleans, Carolina, New York Jets. There's a lot of different teams that need a quarterback. And then what I would do is I would draft Bryce Young, and here's why. I would then reset the quarterback clock on a rookie contract, and let's look at Jacksonville. They have Trevor Lawrence. They go out and get Evan Ingram. They go get Brandon Scherf, Olokan, Christian Kirk, and now they're in the playoffs. So if I could go get four starters in free agency, a one and a three, and get a player, in my opinion, and Bryce Young, who's a better quarterback than Justin Fields, and I could get six additional players, I'm making that move. That's ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum on Keyshawn J. Will and Max this morning. This is Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And I mean, Harry, you just said, like, if, if we had the cameras on us right now, you can usually watch us in the ESPN app, by the way, because we're too pretty to just be on radio. But if we had the cameras on us today, we're sitting in L.A. I'm looking at Harry, and basically you're falling out of your chair. Like that meme that's real popular, the person just sliding down uh, like out their chair. <laughs> that's what I'm seeing from you right now, because there is a very real and loud conversation starting today all over the place about the possibility that the Bears, who now have the top pick in the draft, could consider moving on from Justin Fields to instead take one of these quarterbacks. Before we hear from the Bears, I got to get your reaction, AC, because you are just, you're falling out. Because I, I just, I mean, yes, as an organization, you're going to weigh all your options. I just think when you look at Justin Fields and he has progressed this season, right? He has progressed. Now, does he need to get better as a passer? Yes. But I also think those type of things entail like the organization surrounding him so he can be prominent and be good in the National Football League. And I can't help but think about Josh Allen and what Josh Allen was before he started getting Stephon Diggs and, and other pieces to the puzzle. He, he wasn't that good. We, we, were, we, were, we were talking about him, and not in a good way. Jalen Hurts. We talk about Jalen Hurts and, and how he was able to get talent around him. You look at Justin Herbert with talent around him. You look at Zach Wilson. Up, oh, he's an exception. Never mind. He has talent around him, but he's still not good. Uh, but I look at a guy like Justin Fields, who's been able to make some strides this season, and a guy who completed sixty point four percent of his passes, threw for over twenty two hundred yards, seventeen touchdowns, eleven interceptions. That's where the you know the question marks come. He got to get better decision making and you know just not forcing balls in certain places. But I also look at a guy who. Rushed for over 1,100 yards at the quarterback position and eight touchdowns. Like I don't think you could just, you know what, I'm going to draft a guy that can do that. It's not many of them that can do that. It's not many of them that can be a dual-threat quarterback. But I also look at the wide receiver position, right, and I look at their roster. And the leading receiver for the Chicago Bears this year was Cole Komet with 544 yards and seven touchdowns. I look at the wide receivers total as a, as a whole, as a group. They only had 10 touchdowns as a group. And I look at the offensive line play. That's been another deficiency for the Chicago Bears the last three years. They still haven't addressed that issue. And they're fourth in sacks allowed in the National Football League. So I think when you have a guy and you can't really, you know, assess his total potential because of the lack of productivity or the lack of the people that you have surrounded uh, around him, I, I, I don't see why you would make that move. You can still get a haul for the number one pick if you decide to trade back. You don't have to trade Justin Fields to do that. That's a huge part of this conversation. This is what Ryan Poles, 
Bears general manager just said today about Justin Fields at his press conference? Yeah, we had good conversations. Um, I'm excited for the direction he's going. And as I mentioned before, he knows where he has to improve. I think you mentioned that the other day. Um, so we're excited about his development and where he goes next. He showed ability to be impactful with his legs. There's flashes with his arm. Now if we can put that together, I think we have something really good. Because you have the first pick, there are people that said they're going. Quarterback might be available there. But you're saying Justin's your guy. Well, we're going to do the same as we've always done. We're going to evaluate the draft class. And I would say this, I'd have to be absolutely blown away to make that type of decision. So you're saying there's a chance. I mean, Poles leaves the door open. And, and let me be clear. I think a lot of people are going to say, well, he's leaving the door open because he wants to leverage trade value. Everybody knows that the Texans are picking second overall. If he handles that press conference entirely the same and says, look, we all know the Texans are in the quarterback market. There's some quarterbacks in this draft people are antsy for. We love our quarterbacks, so we're going to be open to all the possible offers that come. You're still going to elevate your trade value. He didn't have to open this door. I think this was a, a willing decision by him to leave the door open, and if it's to increase the trade value, I don't understand the point. Well, here's my thing. That quarterback that you have to be blown away by, is he in this draft though? That, that that's what I'm asking. So so this this is where I got to hit you with this. So you, like, let me push my glasses up and be a nerd for a minute, okay? Because mm-hmm. I looked this up. He said blown away. Now he said not, blown away. not love or you know, ex- very excited about blown away. And, and actually, before I give you these numbers, this is what he said about Fields and a passer. I want you to hear this, and then I'm gonna give you some info. I thought Justin did a good job. I thought we changed a lot. We adapted. We tried to put him in a position to be successful. He showed the ability to be a a playmaker, be impactful. He can change games quickly. Um, Does he have room to grow? He does. He has to get better as a passer, and I'm excited to see him take those steps as we move forward. So now I'm going to push my glasses up, and I'm going to tell you this. Mm -hmm. His last year at Ohio State, he completed 70% of his passes. It's very good. Right now, Bryce Young, the one everybody's hot on, who also has great wide receivers, NFL-level talent around him, Bryce Young completing 64% of his passes. Will Levis, the other quarterback a lot of people are super hot on, completing 65% of his passes. When you start looking, C.J. Stroud is completing 66% of his passes. Even if you believe, just from a numbers standpoint, that there's room to grow as a passer for Justin Fields, what he showed you through college, if you just take the college portion of his evaluation versus college portion of the three quarterbacks everybody's hot on, you actually had better passing numbers from, uh, from Justin Fields. You want to know the difference? You want to know the difference? He had talent around him at Ohio State. Right. He doesn't have talent. Well, let me take that back because I don't never want to disrespect nobody in the National Football League because we're we're fraternity. I never I would never want to do that. He doesn't have superstar talent around him at the skill position players. And, or, nor does he have it at the, on the offensive line. And, and I'm not saying that these other quarterbacks couldn't develop to be better than Justin Fields. I'm just saying that the only book of evidence we have on any of these quarterbacks is what they've done in college. And if the book of evidence you want is a better passer in college alone, Justin Fields was a better passer statistically than any of these guys. That doesn't mean he's necessarily a better quarterback, but like it's, it's just a part of the evaluation that blows my mind. The more tape we get on anybody, the more we seem to want to find a reason to doubt him. Well, for me, bro, it's just hard to evaluate somebody if you don't have the right pieces around them. Like, and, and that's why I bring up those young quarterbacks. We look at Joe Burrow coming to the National Football League. He has, uh, not his first year, but the second year, he has Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. 
right? And then he last year he had C.J. Uzama at the tight end position as well, and Joe Mixon at the running back position, and Shamar G.P. Ryan. Like, just think about that. And it's the same questions that we talk about that with Lamar Jackson. When is that organization, and when are, when are the Baltimore Ravens and Eric DaCosta going to surround him with, with the talent? You know what I mean? Especially at the wide receiver position. Because you're right, like the ch- the conversation changed on Josh Allen. The conversation changed yes. on just uh, on Jalen Hurts. The yes. conversation changed on Trevor Lawrence. When they uh, got what? When they all got talent. When they got him. talent around them, Fitz. That's what I'm saying. The conversation even changed on Tua, right? Like when he got what around him? When he got talent. When he got around talent him. around him. Listen, just a hey, coach will never lead you astray. It's they want to make a change at quarterback. They're still going to have to change. They're, the Bears have a hundred million dollars. You still got to gotta bring in You're the talent. Still going to have to bring in talent. Uh, it's Fitz and Harry. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Don't forget, you can hang out with us on the Dr. Pepper call-in chart line. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Bears fans, you can hit us up. Would you trade Justin Fields? Uh, let us know. We'll take your calls, your thoughts on it. Plus, is Mike McCarthy coaching for his job Sunday? Everybody's asking that question. Well, Jerry Jones answered the question this morning. You'll hear what he had to say next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. L. Duncan last night was just throwing shade all over the peanut butter suit that Harry Douglas was wearing. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, Harry, defend yourself, good sir. Like, cause let, let me let, for anyone that hasn't watched on digital, my guy. Like, uh, I'll say it in the words of Andrew Hawkins last night, who said Harry always looks clean. Like everything about Clary, <laughs> Harry is meticulous. He looks like he just came out of like a perfectly starched place that's going to put a perfect jacket that has like the perfect pocket square. And in the meantime, I look like I may have peed my pants and I probably spilled coffee on myself. And I'm just walking <laughs> in the room saying, "Let's talk football." So like you look dashing yesterday, and then L. Duncan comes on your set to talk about the dogs, and she calls it a peanut butter Well, suit. here's the thing about L. So L's from Georgia, and a lot of people don't know, like when I was playing for the Falcons, L was doing a lot of the, the reporting and anchoring and stuff. And, you know, she would come in, and when people didn't give her an interview, I would stay after and actually give it, give her one. You know what I mean? Um, just looking out for my girl. And, Lord behold, we're here now at ESPN working together. So if there's anyone who can crack on me, it's going to be L. Duncan because that's the homie. And then Harry Lyles, he's from Georgia too. So when she's going on this, you know, this rant about the Georgia Bulldogs, she looks at me and she looks at Harry and notices, and notices that we aren't wearing red and black. And she took kind of offense to that and decided to clown my suit. And she told us that, you know, Harry, you're over here with this peanut butter, peanut butter looking suit and, you know, Harry, you're over there with the gray suit. Harry, because there's two Harrys, y'all, just in case y'all know. So Harry that, Lyles. would that make you like, would that in that situation make you like a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup because it's like chocolate <laughs> and peanut butter together? Well, need, need I say this, though, Fitz? I was definitely the flyest person in SoFi last night. Yeah, I mean, you were the flyest. Yeah, you you know, the- and I couldn't help but, you know, while I'm on set, you know, doing my thing and Every lady that walks by is double taking and winking at me, and I'm, no, they were looking I'm, at I'm just holding up my ring and saying, "No, no, 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 not over here, baby." They, they were looking at Christine. Christine, they were just all envious of Christine's, Christine's perfect, uh, perfect. So we got best. we got to explain this really quick though. So, okay, yeah. well, one of our co-hosts' name, her name is Christine Williamson, and she does an amazing job. But you know, I'm from Atlanta, from the South, and me and Harry Lyles. We don't ever call her Christine. We call her Credine. 
That's how we pronounce it down south. Crittine. Which I which I caught yesterday. So every time she threw to me to my set, I always said, Thanks you, thank you, Crittine. Every single time. All right, Max in Mississippi calling us about the Bears. You guys can hang out with us on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Triple eight say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Max, thanks for calling the show, man. What you got? Yeah, guys, I can't believe this Justin Fields thing. His two receivers, St. Brown and Pettis, never ran their routes, and if they did, they didn't catch the ball. And now everyone's saying he's going to get traded. It's just kind of ridiculous, man. Yeah, thanks for the call. Look, I think that it, it so much of this comes down to the weapons that you have and the great players that you have around That's you. right. And we, not we, but some people – mocked a lot of the signings of the Jags this year. They went all in on Zay Jones. They all went all in on Christian Kirk, right? Like they spent a bunch of money at the wide receiver position. We have to remember the Bears have $100 million in salary cap space. They can right now do exactly what the Jags did, exactly what the Eagles did. They can be aggressive, and they can either trade out of that first pick overall or they can address whatever position they want. If they take quarterback, man, they better be – damn well sure that they are giving up on a guy that they're comfortable giving up on. Well, what both of those organizations did, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Philadelphia Eagles, from you know a pass-catching standpoint, they brought in people that were veterans and you know understood the game of football and people that you can trust. I'm telling you, I, I talked to Kristen Kirk's wide receiver coach and he said, no Harry, he's legit. Like he, If it was one guy in my group, and that's a group that was with DeAndre Hopkins. He said, if it's one guy that I knew I could count on every single time, it was Kristen Kurt. And then you look at a guy like Zay Jones, and you know what he meant to Derek Carr. Derek Carr spoke so highly of Zay Jones, but then you add a guy in Evan Ingram at the tight end position, too. Another guy that banked on himself. He got a one-year deal, so you know he's going to play out of his mind. He's trying to get paid. It's funny because yesterday you mentioned the work ethic of Christian Kirk, right? Yep. I had a buddy that I, I trust that works around the Raiders a lot that sent me a text and was like, man, what you were describing was Zay Jones to a T. And it just speaks to wanting guys that you know can play, yep. wanting guys that you know are going to be consistent. Because I think when you have a young quarterback, you need guys around them that are going to be truly consistent, truly professional. I got one more I throw to it. Trust. Yeah. Who you can trust. It all banks down. And like you just mentioned, when you have a young quarterback – their biggest thing is who I can trust. When I get in trouble, who can I trust to make this play for me? When I don't make this throw, when I don't put this football in the right position where I need it to be, who can I trust to make that play? And you look at Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown. That A.J. Brown trade was phenomenal for the Eagles because now you can just throw it up to a guy who has a big body, big catch radius, and he's going to get those, y'all call them 50-50 balls. I call them 100-100 balls. Yeah, 100 Hundred balls. That means the receiver go one hundred percent. Go get it. Okay, that's what I call it. Okay, I like that. Uh, but you, you're not wrong. And I, we said it last time, and I'll say it again. Think about how different a year ago, right now, the conversation was about Tua, the conversation was about Jalen Hurts, and the conversation uh, was about Trevor Lawrence. Even one year in the league, and people are like, well, I don't know, right? It just it, – it's the system, it's the coaching, it's the players around him, it's all of it. Now you've got Justin Fields, who's on his second head coach and second system in two years, trying to figure out exactly how to be the pro quarterback that, they, that he can be with a bunch of weapons around him that aren't any good and an offensive line that's also not great, right? Like so, and, and when I say aren't any good, I mean relative to the rest of the talent in the NFL, right? So you're not suddenly thrown to guys that are simply better than the guys they're playing against. 
if I'm the Bears, that's the first thing I got to address. Because if I'm not throwing to guys that they're better against, then what's the point? Like, I, okay, so you go get Bryce Young. If you don't it, address the rest of simple. the issues, you're wasting Bryce too. I'm gonna make it this, this easy. The Chicago Bears don't make certain situations harder than what they what they should be. It's not that hard. Just surround them with talent. It's that easy. Just surround them with talent. And the biggest thing for me is that you have the proof in the pudding across the football National Football League. When you put talent around these young players, they thrive and they shine differently. The proof is in the pudding with all the young quarterbacks right now in today's game. It, it, it's, it's there. The evidence is there. It's so simple right now for the Bears to have handled this differently. Even if they want to trade that pick, even if they want to create more value, they could have answered that question a million ways, throwing the Texans under the bus for their want for a quarterback, being clear that they love Justin Fields, but also being clear that they're prepared to move down for the right offer. They could have been very transparent. Instead, no matter what they're saying behind the scenes, they've created questions that Justin Fields is now going to have to answer every time he goes out for pizza with his family. Look, you like that, what I said, huh? That proof in the pudding. Yeah. I want some pudding. So far you've given me pudding, but no, like no pizza. Like, I, I can't have my pudding. I fell asleep with my pizza on the bed last night. That's all over my sheets right like, now. How is that possible that Harry Douglas looks like he could still get out and play and he falls asleep with pizza? <laughs> I walk by a pizza and I'm like, I should really go to the gym today. This is my reality. How is it possible that Georgia has become this dominant and how can the rest of the college football world close the gap? We'll ask an expert next on Fitz and Harry. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 